number 43 for Down the Rabbit Hole with a very uh, interesting topic. Hello, Hello. Carl. Hello, Rafi. Yes, it is a very interesting topic, actually. Um, because we're going to cover... Well, we're calling it Abracadabra. Abracadabra. And it's kind of about magic in a general sense. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we've got some interesting stuff. And uh, since last week, mm. we have this new format for the show. Mm. And the first thing we always do is... The news. News of the week. And here we have the news for the week. And we start with one very interesting, especially if you have... Uh, an unhealthy diet. Yeah. Scientists have turned cooking oil into a material 200 times stronger than steel. Researchers have found a way to turn cheap everyday cooking oil into the wonder material graphene, a technique that would, that could greatly reduce the cost of making the much taught nanomaterial. Yeah. And of course, graphene is a, a material which is just one single layer of carbon atoms have some very strange properties. Exactly. Um, and, uh, yeah, very interesting. You can see a link to further information about that. Yeah, at the end in of the, the show program. notes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the next one, the next one is also very interesting, and as I'm English, it's of particular interest for me. And it's uh, scientists from the University of Surrey have just published um, in PhysOrg a... Um, a physics publication, um, a kind of an outline plan or a plan for a large-scale quantum computer. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, just a quick thing, a quantum computer, a normal computer deals in zeros and ones, that is a classical computer, but a quantum computer, they use what, uh, it uses what is called qubits, which is it can be zero, one, or both at the same time, Mm -hmm. and, and relies on uh, factors to do with quantum behavior. Yes, and this is going to be uh, allowing a faster rate of calculations. Yes, and the other interesting thing is uh, how the quantum uh, sections communicate with each other, which they are proposing will use an electric field rather than optical connections, and the nodes will be a hundred times fa- faster in their communication than current technology. And we have one more uh, bit of news, which is related to a kind of a more consumer side, yeah, social yeah, side. Definitely. A U.S. court has awarded $500 million uh, or uh, 395 million pounds to a firm which sued Facebook and other defendants over the use of its virtual reality technology. Yeah. The jury found Oculus, which Facebook bought in 2014, had breached a contract with video game developer Cinemax when launching its own VR headset. Yeah. And all this, uh, especially because I think they were using some firmware. Some firmware, I think. And um, uh, Oculus are quoted as saying they are disappointed. Yes. That would appeal. They would try to appeal, yes, of yes. course. Yes. Uh, of course, it is the US court system, so it will probably end up with somebody <laughs> having to pay somebody $1 or something. Um, or peanuts or incense. Yeah, but and I noted with interest that um, the case apparently threatens to overshadow Facebook's latest results. Uh-huh. Um, but when you consider that their net profit has doubled in the fourth quarter, not the year, uh-huh. the quarter, yes. to $3.6 billion, 
I don't think. I don't think that's be... that much of. A... It's, I think they probably have a petty cash box somewhere with that in there. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. So we're not too fussed. No. And that's it for the news for this week. Hmm. And now we reach the main section of our show with our topic abracadabra. Mm. So we're talking about magic. Kind of, yeah, across the range, aren't we? Yes. We're going to be touching a little bit on the, how can we say, esoteric. Yeah, the kind of occultish. Mystic, occultish area. And we are going to mention a little bit about... Magicians. Magicians. And some of their tricks. Yeah. And then finally, maybe just touch on technology and the perception of magic. Uh Uh-huh. Because actually, uh, magic has... So many synonyms that uh, we can actually use on it. Absolutely. We, we got a whole list together here. Mm-hmm. Sorcery, witchcraft, wizardry, necromancy, enchantment, incantation, occultism, black magic, devilry, divination, voodoo, witching. And I would actually think that uh, these things that we found as synonyms, mm. maybe actually all those encapsulate... Elements. One single are elements of it. The, the, I think because I'm sure many people would say, uh, but this is not exactly this. This yeah. don't relate to that. But, but. The, there are threads running through these. Yeah, words. I believe I like uh, threads. Yeah. And what uh, could we say about magic? Yeah. Huh? What is magic? What is magic? Well, the, well, the apparently the accepted definition is the power of apparently influencing events by using mysterious or supernatural. Forces. I added those sound effects there for you. Uh, and uh, we also dug up a, um, there is obviously a long history, which we'll go into in a minute, but we dug up a rather nice uh, magical symbol, which was used by the Vikings, mm-hmm. called the Helm of Awe, uh, which I've got a feeling I've seen this used in some TV programs. Well, this is a the very symbol, famous symbol of yeah. protection. Yeah. And it's uh, it was worn by Vikings for invincibility. Yeah. And is, in fact, also used in the modern day by the followers of Atsatru. I'm not too sure what that is. Do you know? No, but I know actually the symbol yeah. in this uh, part of, let's say, magic yeah. called the runes. Yeah. They use actually this exactly for the same purpose. Okay. Protection. There are runes and symbols for... Um, Luck for money, for health, for right. cleansing, right. for all kind of uh, let's say situations. Holding off various yes. influences. In fact, some people, uh, I remember once I heard uh, somebody into this, they usually try to put those runes oh, yeah. written in a gold uh, paint oh. to have more An effect. effect. More effect. Say. Mm-hmm. Well, gold is a very good conductor. Conductor so. of uh, energy oh, stuff, and yeah, right? stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, it's very interesting. And we actually looked a little bit into the history of mm-hmm. magic, didn't we? And um, let's just kind of talk through that a little bit. Okay. So, um, basically, the magic, uh, sorry, the history of magic or sorcery is essentially around the use of rituals, symbols, gestures, and special actions, shall we say. And even language. And language, you're right. With the aim of exploiting supernatural forces, things Mm -hmm. beyond what are currently known, shall we say. Yes. And uh, the belief in and the practice of magic 
Uh, it's been around like forever. Forever, I think. Since the earliest human cultures. And I think mostly magic has also been used mm. to try to explain things that we cannot understand. I, th- I think so. I think and it's also, if you want to call it, could religion be seeing sometimes certain aspects of religion as well it makes you think magical things whether maybe magic came first or religion first and religion is a more organized version organized version because because when you read about it there's a kind of interwinding yeah. of religious belief and elements of magic for example we're talking about prayers no yeah and yeah séances and mm-hmm. various other stuff and although obviously magic the history of magic goes back a long way it is still regularly practiced in certain parts of the world today for medicinal purposes like shamans mm-hmm. uh, as you said uh, prayer um sacrifice invocation things like yeah. that and uh, all these things date back to prehistoric religions. Um, exactly. And, yeah. and, of course, records have been found in Egyptian pyramid texts and the uh, and the Indian Vedas, the, these very mm-hmm. old scriptures that I think are way old. I think they're like, I don't know, 3,000 plus or yeah. something. Um, so it's interesting that um, if you... I kind of don't know what you think, Rafa, but... Before we had uh, artificial light, when the sun went down, life was pretty boring, right? Yeah. You couldn't put the TV on. Right? <laughs> uh, all you had for entertainment was either staring at the fire after we invented it, mm-hmm. uh, having uh, interesting relationships with your fellow cave dwellers, <laughs> or, go- or going out and uh, basically lying back on a rock and looking at the night sky. Mm. I'm sure wherever you were on the globe, that was pretty bright, right? Mm -hmm. And I would suspect that looking up at that sky would lead to all kinds of thoughts in... Of course. Because even at that stage, these people, these early Homo sapiens or before, were intelligent and... uh, they would seek explanations, wouldn't they? Do you think that uh, in a more modern definition or uh, understanding of magic, we mm. could call it paranormal? Yeah, well, I think these are all different kind of names for the same mm-hmm. kind of things, aren't they? If you think about, I think we talked a couple of weeks ago outside of a show about uh, Uri Geller. Uri oh, yes. Geller. And the recent release in the US of those... Uh, like 40 years of CIA uh-huh. papers. And there was a very interesting uh, little extract from those CIA papers about the time when Yuri Geller first kind of appeared on the scene, shall we say. He was actually the subject of a study by a, uh, I think he was a scientist who was commissioned by the CIA to investigate his yeah. uh, alleged abilities. And... Uh, this scientist or investigator, uh, this came out in these papers, he said that he could not explain how Yuri Geller was doing what he's doing. Now, I'm not talking about spoon <laughs> I'm not talking about spoon bending here. He was doing like remote viewing stuff. Uh-huh. And 
that could not be explained. And actually, remote viewing became a whole task force. It did. Uh, project, whatever it was called. Yeah, uh, for remote viewing. Yeah, they were trying to develop a kind of an espionage effort exactly. based on remote viewing. And ultimately, allegedly, it was disbanded. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> We have to say allegedly. Um, but if whatever Yuri Geller is doing, is that real magic? Yeah. Or is it a trick, right? Mm -hmm. And actually, this takes us to an interesting point here. Mm. As most of the people would understand the word magic mm. related to witchcraft or to wizardry, yeah. uh, nowadays, into that definition, is practiced in secrecy yeah. or isolation. Yeah. Because obviously, now in a more scientific uh, era, it gets discredited very. Of course. And, uh, yeah. easy. and in our uh, research notes, we saw that um, there are still on this globe non-scientific societies. The, you know, maybe the, uh -huh. the Amazon jungle or whatever, or maybe in places like Haiti, for example, mm -hmm. these kinds of cultures that hang on to these kinds of things. Uh -huh. um, in those kinds of societies... Um, Things that happen either on a personal level or to a society or a group are often are perceived as magical attacks, yeah. which is something to us that is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Whereas we've come up with inverted commas, and I'm putting my fingers in the air there, It's, that's a very good radio characteristic. Mm -hmm. um, we obviously would seek more rational explanations Um, yeah. inverted commas, based on science uh, or other thinking. Mm -hmm. But there are still places and societies that look back to this much older kind of yeah. knowledge or perceived knowledge, which is quite interesting considering we're in the 21st century. Yes, and among we're going to make now a, a small list Yeah. Of some of uh, famous, uh, let's say, magic practitioners yes. in this sense of yeah. witchcraft, wizardry, stuff like that. Yeah, and like witchery, isn't it? Yeah, witchcraft, obviously. Yeah. You can start. Witchcraft. Yeah. Moldire. Famous, I think. Yes. 17th century woman who lived in St. Mary's County in Maryland. So there have been a lot of things around her, a lot of mystery. But she was known to be really strange anyway. Right. <laughs> so, uh, some people said that she was a herbal healer, an outcast, and actually survived uh, through, mostly through the generosity of people in the town. Right. And eventually she was accused of witchcraft. Mm. And actually she was burned out uh, of her hut during a cold night. She lived in a hut? Yeah. So, she fled into the woods... Right. And was not seen for several days mm. until a local boy found the body and Moldire was frozen to a large rock wow. in a kneeling position with one hand raised to curse the man <laughs> who attacked her. And Sorry yeah, about that. <laughs> I have just witnessed the finger. <laughs> the finger of maybe, fate. Maybe that was the position he had, yeah. <laughs> Her knees had left permanent impressions on the stone, mm. and the villagers uh, found very fast that uh, they had uh, been harassing the wrong woman. Ah. 
So Mold Dyer's curse fell upon the area for centuries, causing cold winters and epidemics. Oh, so that's the story, the story of uh, Mold Dyer. Yeah. Whether there's any facts involved in that story at all, we don't know. No, but that's the, her story is famous. It is a very famous story, and as is the next one, in fact. Yeah. Um, Laurie Cabot, probably, or Cabot, mm-hmm. um, was one of the influential forces in popularizing witchcraft in the US. Uh, she was a California girl uh, with a very interesting kind of life story uh, as, a, <laughs> as a dancer, but she, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she had a keen interest. Those would probably come in useful later, those qualities. Um, but she had a keen interest in the magical arts and it led her to New England. And after years of studying her craft... Uh, magic. Uh, she set up a shop in uh, Salem, Massachusetts. I think we all know. Just That's about everybody very, knows. Everybody about knows about that. Uh, Witches and pointy hats. Exactly. Um, apparently, it was already a historical uh, center of uh, witchery and so on. And initially, she was wary of declaring herself as a witch, but um, uh, as we all know, uh, Clearly, yeah. witches have familiars, right? Which is an animal. Uh-huh. Uh, in most witches' case, it's a cat, and usually a black cat. Black cat. You, you can have a familiar in any colour as long as it's black. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, and unfortunately, this this black cat was not too intelligent because it got itself stuck up a tree, and apparently the fire brigade refused to rescue it until. Um, Ultimately, she was forced to uh, admit that she needed the cat in her rituals, and this was and this was uh, nineteen seventy, so not that long ago. Uh, so, in nineteen seventy, the word "witch" still actually meant something in, the in, town, Salem, in Salem, right? and uh, the fireman immediately rescued the the cat. And uh, and it kind of went on from there, and uh, it is a very interesting. Well, that's a story you've been story. told around as well about her, and that being a how, famous witch with her shop. How many movies, right? Exactly, about Salem, right? Salem's lot and all that stuff. And the next one we have George Pickingill, hmm. and <laughs> this name is kind of weird. Really sounds like says he here in the quote uh, out of a horror story. Hmm. He was a tall uh, 19th century man with a uh, very hostile demeanor and long, sharp fingernails. He sounds marvelous. He was a famous cunning man, a practitioner of, uh, practitioner of folk magic. Mm-hmm. In occult uh, circles, Pickingill was a, like a superstar, wow. you know, like a, yeah. how can we say? A rock star. The huh? rock star, the consultant <laughs> for everybody. Essentially, all the people in the... Alistair Crowley of his time. Who was very, he was a British occult guy. He's very, very famous. weird and famous. Yes, so he was recognized as an acolyte of the ancient uh, horned god. Ooh. A frequent ally of Satanists and the foremost authority on magical arts. As such, uh, all his counsel was searched uh, by all kind of people and other witches. Wow. That is weird, right? Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next one. Shall I take this one? Yes, of course. Okay. The next one is um, Angela de la Barth. 
Uh, she was a noble woman and a notorious witch, and she lived in the uh, 13th century. Um, she was burned at the stake, which was... Uh, there was a period when there was quite a lot of that going on. Yeah, it was the uh, the fashion that yeah, you were in if you were there. It was, yeah, you were certainly um, you were certainly special if you got lashed to a stake. <laughs> and she was actually burned at the stake for committing a number of atrocious deeds. Mm-hmm. And this was around the time of the Inquisition, which I think was around the 16th century, was it? I think, something like that. And it actually says 13th, 13th. century. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I can't even remember what I said one minute ago now. Um, yeah, she um, committed many crimes, and they included and were not limited to uh, nightly sexual <laughs> relations with an incubus. Now, an, in- <laughs> an incubus, I think, is meant to be a kind of a spirit. Yes. Being of some kind, isn't it? Now, I don't know about you, but this sounds a little bit suspicious. <laughs> because not only did she have, apparently, she was very active with this incubus. And clearly, they got a room somewhere, I don't know. Um, but she also gave birth to a wolf snake demon. Uh-huh. None of this is going to turn out well, is it? And <laughs> and she was blamed for the disappearances of children in the area and and generally being a pleasant, unpleasant person. But, of course, they solved that problem by... Um, At the stake. Yeah. It was the ultimate. Uh, if you survived uh, burning at the stake, you were definitely a witch. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Right? And it's the same with that other punishment they did with witches, the dipping thing you know where they put them in a chair and um, lowered them into a pond oh yeah uh-huh. uh the so i forget what they call it now but this is very common in england uh-huh. around the time and the the thing there was the they submerged just seven times and it was really good basically it worked like this that if you were still alive after the seventh dip you were a witch and they burnt you at the stake <laughs> and if you didn't survive They made a mistake. Yes. And you weren't a witch. That's it's brilliant, right? Yeah, there's no there's no complaints line for that. Yeah. Uh, there's no complaints to Nobody would for the Inquisition, back. right? Yeah. <laughs> so so what, next one next? Raymond Buckland. Ah. He's considered the father of American uh, Wicca. Wicca. Right. And uh, he was actually very impressed by the modern uh, Gardarian Gardnerian Wicca. And Wicca is a pagan. Thing, it's a it? pagan religion, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So he took the uh, Gerald uh, Gardner's teachings mm. to the New World and eventually he refined them into a variation that he calls the uh, Six Wicca. Right. And he was also uh, very known for witchcraft. And Buckland was uh, also involved in coven's in yeah. the 60s, wow. usually as a leader. Uh, I wonder what happened to every coven that he had, that he had to have so many yeah. and form new ones. Yeah. And he's a Wiccan priest and revert expert in all things neo-pagan. Uh, I suspect in coven's you quickly get bored of uh, present yeah. company and need to move on to another one, right? And the last one. Oh, and the last one. Uh, Yes, let me do the last one. Uh, The last one is from England, and actually, uh, yeah, 
she's called Agnes Waterhouse, uh, commonly known as Mother Waterhouse, and I've got a feeling, actually, that she is part of the Pendle Witch um, uh, history, which uh-huh. is the area of England that I'm from. Uh-huh. Um, the Pendle is a, a hill... Uh, that was meant to be, well, not meant to be, the Pendle Witches met on Pendle Hill. Uh-huh. And believe it or not, this is true, uh, one of my ancestors on my mother's side was one of the uh, people associated with prosecuting the Pendle Witches. Oh. So I have a little bit of history here. i just like to... Yeah. I don't want this to be a conflict of interest coming up. <laughs> but anyway, Agnes Waterhouse, commonly known as Mother Waterhouse, she was one of the most famous witches England has ever known, and she was accused of various crimes. Uh, they stood trial for dallying with the devil, uh-huh. which uh, you have to be very careful about, <laughs> cursing people, which is interesting, and even causing bodily harm and multiple deaths through their black magic. Now, I have to say that in the UK, black magic is a brand of chocolates. Okay. But I don't think they mean that kind of black magic. Yeah. Um, Maybe she overfed somebody with black magic chocolate. Well, black magic are not very good chocolates. That's uh, why you could die, probably. Exactly. Um, (laughs) The strange strange thing about the case uh, was that the church had nothing to do with accusing Agnes, or at least that's what they say. <laughs> uh, uh, she was the first English witch sentenced to death by a secular court, or a lynch mob, as it's known these days. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, they'd call that a secular court in those days, but I'm pretty sure it was uh, pretty horrible. So, And now let's move to something more... Modern, well, if you want to call it modern, well, a in a way, aspect. I think in a different aspect, which we're we're usually called magicians, yeah, which has a long history as well. Of yes, course. of course. Huh? So the first one we're going to mention. This is in no particular order. Yeah, in case somebody starts saying like, "Whoa, this." What about blah blah? Yeah. yeah. So we have Harry August Jensen, mostly known as Dante. Dante. Dead in 1945, and uh, he was called uh, the uh, the best magician in the golden age of magic. And he became very famous, uh, uttering the Danish nonsense words, Sim Salabim. I've 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 tried that myself, it does nothing. Doesn't work, right? No, nothing. But he's famous for saying Sim Salabim. Uh, He started it. Yeah, Yeah. he started it. Yeah. And everybody, I think, is famous. It's just like the Abracadabra. Exactly. I think everybody knows Abracadabra, Sim Salabim. Mm -hmm. It's pretty famous. I see. Yeah. Uh, The next one is uh, Harry Blackstone Sr. And he became uh, famous for performing... Uh, for the United States organizations during World War II, for the troops, presumably. Yes. And one of his most famous tricks is sewing a woman in half. I think he's the most famous, and the most famous trick executed everywhere and by everybody. Everybody loves to do that one. It is always amazing when you see it, even though you kind of think you know how they're doing it. I think most people would know now how it's done. I think so. But uh, anyway, the next one. Jean-Eugene Robert Houdin. Mm. Be careful, it's not Houdini, it's Houdin. Mm. It's a 19th century French magician 
and is known as the father of the modern style of magic. Right. And actually, Harry Houdini um, was a big, big fan of this magician mm. and chose, uh, that's how he chose his stage name in honor of his inspiration. So, Robert Houdin's most famous trick was called Second Sight, uh, where he would walk through the audience touching random items. A blindfolded assistant would then describe each item in detail. Mm, and I think, again, that... Everybody has seen this. Everybody before. knows that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so the next one is uh, moving up into more modern times is David Blaine. Mm -hmm. uh, he became famous in the 90s uh, because he had this show called Street Magic. Uh, he's done loads of things. Uh, his idol is Houdini. Um, and really, he's done all kinds of ridiculous things. In fact, really, people are kind of thinking, yeah. what the hell, you know? This I wonder if this is considered magic or just resistance, like human just, resistance. But just entertainment. Yeah, um, I mean, the first, the most famous tricks he did is being buried for a week, alive. Yes, we could go Frozen so many places from there. In a nice block for 63 hours. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, there was the um, the thing where you had a million volts uh, discharged through his body. You know. It, for are, 35 hours. Yeah. But the problem is, the kind of these are not that difficult. Exactly. You know, we know how to do that. That was the part that we want to also discuss, you know, that yeah. most of these have uh, very easy way to explain. Yeah. And some are just simple scientific procedures. Yeah. Like he could have had some kind of... Um, oil suit. Or oil suit, something uh, to prevent... Chain mail, fine chain mail suit on or something. To spread the balls away and yeah, not really affecting any damage. Conduct, right? Yeah, so, conduct it. I don't... You know, I'm, I'm... Me personally, obviously, David Blaine's very famous, very successful, uh, but it's... I think it relies too much on modern technology. Yeah. And, of course, they're usually on TV, these spectacular things. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Magic on TV, never really been convinced by that. But whatever. Next. So the next is some <laughs> this couple that, I don't know, every time I was searching right now for, let's see who are the most famous magicians, how people consider them. For some reason, every single list have them on. Penn and Teller. Penn and Teller. Yeah. Penn, Gillette, and Raymond Teller became famous as that well, Penn and Teller in the 80s. Yeah. At the end of the 80s. And they are, you know, very uh, amusing, funny guys yeah. making he, their, a kind of a show. And they, have, they do also their trick. Mm. And they had a, a television show where they were debunking yeah. pseudoscience. Uh, yeah. So, but one of the more uh, interesting uh, tricks that they did and popular was the cups and balls. Yeah. And they showed the audience actually how the trick is done. Mm. But then after, they would perform a more complex form of the trick, like using transparent cups. Yeah. To see, you know, how, how the trick is done. It really happens. Yeah. Yes. And almost, uh, Teller almost never speaks. Yeah. During the tricks. And it's usually subjected to violence. <laughs> this happens so often in these partnerships. Yeah, right? like being dropped on spikes, <laughs> run over by an 18-wheeler, yeah. or submerged into a tank of water. And yet nobody ever gets prosecuted, right? No. So. And they are such a good um, 
market uh, marketeers. They're very good marketeers, and they obviously have a super publicist, right? Yeah, because they're everywhere you look. Everywhere. So yeah, the next, the last one, in fact, I think, uh, maybe almost. not, yeah. almost the last one, is obviously possibly the most famous of all, Harry Houdini. Uh, he was active in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and his big thing was escaping from various yeah. uh, situations, and he became famous by touring Europe and asking different police forces to lock him up in different ways and in different places, and he would go on to escape, for example, a straight jacket while hanging off a skyscraper. Well, I mean, we've all done that, but <laughs> he did it first, uh, escaping from a straight jacket underwater, being buried alive. He, he also actually did run into some problems with some of his uh, tricks, uh-huh. because obviously this was very little technology involved. It was all pretty much kind of seat of your pants stuff. Um, and obviously he was extremely skillful, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, but Houdini also attacked, uh, fake musicians, throughout, uh, magicians throughout his career. And when he eventually died in 1926, the circumstances of his death were fittingly dramatic. Um, a college student, this is the story, a college student asked Houdini if his stomach could withstand any punch and was promptly invited to punch him, which he actually, he was invited to punch him, but apparently he wasn't ready. And he was punched in the stomach and he later died a few days later of peritonitis, which is a a ruptured appendix. Appendix. uh, Because apparently he didn't get himself ready for it. So whether it's entirely true or not, we don't know. And the last one. Mm. One of the, or the most famous modern time magician, yeah. David Copperfield, mm. uh, with a very, very long career, uh, very famous. He has become a very successful solo entertainer. Uh, at 19, he was uh, already headli- uh, headlining a show in Hawaii. He then was approached by ABC in 77 to produce a magic special. And there are so many special shows he have done even for TV. The mo- one of the most famous could be the Statue of Liberty, the disappearance, mm-hmm. yeah. floated over the Grand Canyon mm-hmm. and walked through the Great Wall of China. Mm. Even at uh, 56 now, his age, or he, Copperfield still performs many shows a week. Mm. And he was one of the first magicians to successfully combine magic tricks with great storytelling. Right, yes. Because every trick was like a storytelling. Mm with ambience and a really good show. Yeah. I mean, I think we're kind of drawing to a close now, aren't we? Yeah, we are. I'd like to just mention... Yes. I'd like to just mention this final kind of category, which is technology and magic. Uh There's a famous science fiction author, British author called Arthur Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah. And in the 60s or 70s, he came out with this quite famous saying, which has kind of fallen into a language, uh, which was that any sufficiently advanced technology will appear as magic to us or to anybody. Yeah. And again, if we're talking about science fiction and so on and so forth, and we talk about 
our future, let us say we were able to see the technology demonstrated to us of 300 years in the future or 500 yeah. years, potentially that would look like magic to us, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just an interesting perspective on the whole of course. magic thing because it's beyond our understanding, mm-hmm. but it can just be technology. And for example, one of the most... Uh famous tricks from Copperfield, which was the flying, mm. it has been discovered how it actually was done. Oh, it yes. was done with technology. Yeah. And the secret here was actually uh, an, a person, an inventor, created uh, well, actually the patent was done in 1994, and in those days, nobody could really, you know, uh, know Fly. exactly <laughs> what was, but Nowadays, with internet, everybody can browse patents, yeah. and they discover that this guy has an exclusive contract with David Copperfield, and the machine he created, it's uh, what makes the trick, yeah. which is, in short, a system of uh, very fine wires on a waistband at thing. one end. These wires are attached to the hips mm. uh, on the other end, and it's a... Uh, a pulley system controlled hmm. by computer. And do you know, when I read that, I wondered, you know, in football matches, mm-hmm. when they have that camera... Cameras running around. You know that? That could be the same four system, cables yeah. that are going computer yeah. control to move the camera. Yeah, exactly. And I wonder whether it's the same principle. It should be the same principle, it yeah. Be, it's exactly it? the same, yeah. It makes sense, doesn't it? Makes a lot Replace of sense. Replace the camera with a guy... He would appear to be flying around there. And that's why every time he's flying, there's also a lot of uh, uh, steam, lights, or, you know, uh, right. uh, how it's called, uh, dry ice. Dry ice to uh, hide uh-huh, the... Uh, uh-huh, smoke. Yeah, but, you know, the, 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 the those cameras that they use on over football pitches and, and so on, uh, you can't see the wires on those. No, that, you see only the camera flying around. Yeah, that camera just seems to be floating around, right? Yeah. I bet it's the same thing. Yes, so technology is frequently used to create most modern mm. tricks. Yeah. So, just to finish oh. this main section, we have yeah, some we recommendation of books. I have a couple of books. Uh, the first one is um, Magician, it's called, by Raymond E. Feist, uh, a young kitchen boy raised in the keep of Castle Criddy by his adoptive parents and alongside their son Thomas... Uh, is selected by the strange magician Colgan to be his apprentice. Now, this is meant to be a quite fascinating... I haven't read this book, uh-huh. but it is meant to be... There's a link to some more books at the end of the program, uh, but it's meant to be a very, very good read. And the other one, which was actually made into a movie, yeah, uh, the book is by Christopher Priest called The Prestige. Um, it was made into a movie of the same name, by, uh, directed by Christopher Nolan, starred Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman, Scarlett Johansson, and it was all about the rivalry between two 19th century illusionists, um, and basically they were just trying to outdo each other. Each other. Uh-huh. And uh, basically you are drawn along as one of them becomes embroiled in more and more extreme tactics to yeah, try and be try to one. get uh, the audience yeah. and, and again a really good read but there are uh, a few more in the list uh, yes. you'll see check the them notes. out in the show notes yeah and this is it for the main topic of today yeah Abra- magic Cadabra. 
Abracadabra. Yeah. And uh, finally this week, a very bizarre story from uh, Germany in Europe. A guy, I think he was a kind of a local hunter or something, he found a fox frozen in river ice. Now, it's thought uh, that uh, the fox uh, fell into the river when it was uh, very, very, very cold. And before it could get out, it actually died. Died. <laughs> and this hunter, um, he uh, realised what it was. The hunter is called Franz Stell, and uh, he actually uh, found the animal in the Danube River, which flows through Germany. And um, he actually cut the fox using like a saw. Uh-huh out in a complete block and displayed it outside a hotel. And uh, there's a bizarre picture which we will share with you mm-hmm. of the fox. And the, uh, for me, the funniest bit is that the tail, the tail of the fox has its own slab of ice that it's in. To stay in place. <laughs> to stay in place. And it's propped <laughs> up in a lifelike position. And you can, the ice is clear, uh, pretty clear. And you can see the fox is whole in in the ice. It's a whole body, yes. It's the whole thing. And it's funny. This is really funny that he also says that yeah. he has also seen a frozen deer, a wild boar yeah, yeah. before <laughs> finding the fox. <laughs> I thought, you know, maybe I'll show the fox. But you can imagine, obviously, <laughs> probably a deer or a wild boar is super heavy, right? Probably. Uh, so a fox, I suppose, is a little bit smaller. And uh, uh, yeah, so I think it's probably melted by now. Uh, but if you want to take a quick trip, it is um, in the town of Friedingen in Baden-Württemberg in Germany. Um, yeah, I would like to have seen that, but it's probably too late. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that is our little kind of bizarre... Bizarre, uh, weird... Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. It is pretty good. So we'll leave you with that. Yes. So with this, we finish the show. Yeah. Thank you, all. Thank you very much for listening. And, Carl, we yes. will talk to everybody next week. Yes, we will. Down the road. All names, sounds, logos, and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Dark Mind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved, Dark Mind Radio, 2017.